And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Thank you, Carson. You're a good reader. Does a good job with the scripture reading. So tonight uh, we have a special guest with us. Uh, I'm sorry for you guys that um, a lot of our congregation are at camp, but um, we're glad to have you nonetheless. That's part of the reason you're here, actually, right? Anthony was, was out. And so uh, Michael Perry is with us and his wife, Emily, and Emily's mother, Joy, is with us. Joy is the daughter of Charles and Imogene Abbey, if you know them. I've completed the the chain, the, the uh, generational chain now I've met uh, from, from Charles and Imogene on down to Emily. So uh, it's good to have you all with us. And um, as uh, most of you are fully aware, Michael is doing campus ministry at OU, uh, a place that's near and dear to Monica and I, of course, and to many of you. A lot of us have a little piece of our heart left in Athens, don't we? And so... Um, we're glad that they're there doing this campus ministry. They're doing a good job. They're doing a good work. Some of our students are there. We support the work. Uh, we have people coming in and out, and sometimes I don't know if everyone here realizes that sometimes, but we financially support the work. We prayerfully support the work, and it's, it's pretty vital that, that we have a representation of the gospel of Christ on that campus uh, in today's age. Uh, so... Feel free to uh, stay after a little bit and talk to Michael or Emily or Joy and um, you can ask him questions about the campus ministry. I'm sure he'll love to tell you about it. And, um, and he may have questions he'd like to ask you too. So uh, without further ado, I'll turn the microphone over to Michael and just gracious that he's here tonight. Good evening. Turn my mic on. I might have to move a little bit so you can. If you would turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4. It's, it's really great to be here this evening. This is a I'd say probably the third time that I've been here. Uh, probably the second time I get to speak about the campus ministry. Uh, I will be starting my fourth year. Uh, starting this semester uh, at Blackburn Hill Church of Christ, so it's it's gone pretty quick. The first three years, it's been a it's been a ride. Um, it's been very enjoyable. I hope to shed some light on what we're doing there at uh, Blackburn Hill at on the campus of OU, and uh, also share a lesson with you. Um, Title of the lesson is "Why do we do what we do?" Uh, which I think is just as important as what we do is why we do it, um, and I think it's very important. Um, and, and I think people like to hear that as well. Um, light campus ministry, or light stands for living in God's holy truth. In fact, you know, I don't know how long ago that was made. I don't know if you had a part in making that or uh, 1991. So we're talking a while ago. I was two years old at that time. <laughs> so that goes to show Matt uh, how young he is. I'm only doing that because he preached my sermon already 
when he got up here. Those were my points I was going to make. Uh, but living in God's holy truth, yeah, and that's really what we try to do uh, on, this, on the campus uh, of OU, is uh, cultivate a Christian atmosphere, first and foremost, and get the students involved with Blackburn Hill. And that's something that I think that we do uh, very well. If anybody's been to Blackburn, um, a great group of people, um, and, and people that care about the students. Um, there are just sometimes, you can ask my wife, uh, Josh was here, you could ask him, we've got to kick them out of the church, and not just them, uh, but the members as well, because you know it's uh, 10 o'clock at night, and we're still sitting up at church talking, and people got to go home, but it's just, I think it's incredible how involved uh, the students are, and, and how much our congregation cares um, about the students. Um, we provide Christian guidance, college is a tough Tough transition. Uh, those of you who've been to college, uh, I'm not going to lie. When I started OVU, it was much smaller uh, than the campus of OU, and I got there on the weekend before, of course, and we didn't start till a Wednesday. And my roommate wasn't there, and so for the first three nights, I just cried myself to sleep because uh, I was away from home. And it is a really tough transition, especially uh, on the campus of OU, especially. If you are a Christian, um, it is a very um, liberal and uh, anti-Christian place, uh, to say the least. Um, we want to get the students involved um, in the community, uh, and they are. Uh, what, one of the things that I find just really incredible about the group that we have this year and this past year, uh, they're all very close friends. Um, they all hang out together, and... Really, we set up times to do visits and, and stuff like that, but they take it upon themselves uh, to go do that. If there's somebody in, just for instance, just recently, we had two students come from out of town just to come visit a couple of our members who was in the hospital. Um, so they're very involved um, in the church community and also uh, in the community in Athens as well. We do a, a service at Kimes Nursing Home every week. It started... We went there once a month, maybe once every other month, and now they have us there every week. Um, we encourage the students to find their talent, to um, you know, uh, encourage the use of talents. I'll, I'll touch on that in a moment here. Um, what we offer, what do we do um, the campus ministry? Well, of course, we have the Lighthouse. It's on Court Street, uh, and we have a Bible study every Thursday evening, and then Every third Thursday evening um, of the month, we do a friend day, and I get pizza, and kind of, <laughs> pizza really draws in the college students, um, so I get pizza, of course, and, and we encourage them to invite some friends and, and that type, type of thing. Um, we have Bible studies throughout the week, and in fact, most of them are impromptu, and what I mean by that is that students will just show up and come down and, or text me, and they want to talk, and and uh, that's fine, you know. We end up talking about the Bible because that's what I do. Uh, I always end up talking about the Bible, but we do do Bible studies. Um, in fact, we had one student that we studied with uh, extensively this past fall. We'll get to that because I have a picture. Uh, we do rides to services, but that's kind of fallen by the wayside because now they all pick each other up, um, which I think is great, um, but it is something that we offer. Uh, we adopt a student, which at the beginning of the year, we have like little baskets that we give out, you know, pens and pads and 
some ramen noodles and, you know, that type of thing. And we adopt a student out to, there's a few different families that do that. And it just to provide a, an atmosphere of, um, you're a part of our church. Um, we don't want them to feel like they're an extension of the church, but part of, of Blackburn Hill. Uh, again, we do the Kimes Nursing Home Service, and that's every Sunday, and the students are heavily involved in that. In fact, this summer, in this past summer, a group of them every, once a month would come back just to do those services, and uh, it's funny, there's a couple guys in the group that I'm really concerned that they're going to end up marrying somebody from this nursing home. <laughs> uh, the, these guys, they just go in there, and these little ladies, they just love them. Uh, and, and they love the encouragement, and it's very encouraging to see them care about this type of stuff. Um, it's, it pumps me up, to be honest. Uh, we do events. We have a Super Bowl party. Um, Thanksgiving is my favorite event. The first year we did it, um, I said, guys, make whatever you can. If you have to make it here, make it here. And so... Uh, ramen noodles, uh, mac and cheese, uh, mashed potatoes, and then Emily made a, a ham. That was probably the only real part of the meal. Uh, but it, it was very good. Uh, also very, it was fun, you know, uh, just something that we do is to have a good time. Um, I'm going to combine these next two. Common areas used for many uses, and, and I put movies, etc. The suits, I, I give a couple of them a key. Uh, a couple that we trust, and they just go up there whenever they want to. I'll go up <laughs> one day and I'll think, did I move that? And then I'll talk to one of them and say, oh no, we were up there last night. And so on. so it's, it's a place that is utilized um, very well. Um, biblical teaching, uh, that's really my main goal, um, is that I get across to them honest, good, biblical teaching, uh, that comes from the scriptures. Um, mission and trips. We've uh, this past semester we went to the children's home in Cincinnati. Um, Josh, he's not here this evening, but Josh was there with us. Um, we've been to the Creation Museum, and we went to a, a New Concord had a youth rally this last year that we went to. And then again, of course, we do visiting and encouragement, and and by that I mean with the students, but also the students visiting, encouraging those within the congregation and those without. Um, Tanner, I don't have a point. This is Tanner. Uh, he was baptized over Christmas break, and this is what I wanted to talk about in terms of using talents. Um, Tanner came to me and was asking a lot of questions. Uh, he had been baptized before, and had, again, had a lot of questions. Um, but I'm happy to say uh, that those in the group that are really good at evangelizing really stepped up and taught him the gospel. Um, I make the joke. I mean, I didn't really have to do anything. Um, I, I talked to him quite a few times, but then uh, a few of the students they really stepped up, like I said, and, and evangelized and, and taught him the gospel. And he was baptized over Christmas break uh, at Six in Washington uh, in Marietta. So, I mean, as you can see, just a good-looking, good um, good group of kids. That's, of course, we're in the lighthouse there. Uh, again, we're in the lighthouse that we do our singing before we have our lesson. Uh, and I can also say, 
that we have the same group that comes to the light stuff. They also come to church, too, which is great. Uh, that's really important to us. Um, so we always have the same... We always have, you know, we have the same amount that are coming to the Thursday night devotionals, same amount coming to our Bible classes in church as well. Uh, this is our Thanksgiving meal. I, sorry, it's a little... Can everybody see, kind of? Uh, this is our Thanksgiving meal. We did it at the elder's house, Lee. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, of course, this one, they're being goofy. When are they not? Uh, I caught him kind of candid there. Uh, it was a little bit better meal uh, than the first year that we did it. This is our Kimes, uh, the nursing home. As you can see, we always, I mean, there's always the people just that love to come in there. And one of the things that really just blows my mind is that a lot of these people that are in these nursing homes, they can't speak very well. And I don't know if it's a phenomenon or something, but when we get those songbooks out, they can sing. It's incredible. It's so beautiful. And uh, the students, like I said, they stay up there and talk with them. Um, not pictured here, but one of our students, Matt, he, he sits with those little old ladies. They just love him. When he's not there, they don't know what to do. They're looking for him, uh, confused that he's not there. Um, but it's a, this is, I think, a really good thing that we do is encouraging to them. Um, also to the students. Uh, this is our this is our group. Uh, this Lee Jones, uh, one of our elders, and Joe Ramey, he's our other elder. Um, again, just a, a great group, um, the best. Um, I, I've made the joke when they leave, I'm leaving, uh, because it feels that way sometimes. You know, you get connected to them, and and um, I'm. <laughs> A lot of you know that from experience, um, but you get connected and, and they get connected with each other and you just see this growth and it's so encouraging, um, but also when you think about the future, you're like, ah, oh, man, they're not going to be there forever, but uh, of course we have new students coming in every year, uh, so, uh, and they're just a really great um, encouragement. Okay, so why do we do what we do? Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is very, it fits very well with what we're talking about. Um, just a quick history of Paul's history with the Corinthians. Uh, the book of 2 Corinthians is actually what we know to be the fourth letter that Paul wrote that we know of uh, to the Corinthians. Okay, so I put a planted church, disunity, false teaching, rejection, and reconciliation. What happens is Paul plants this church on a second missionary journey. And it seems to be thriving. In uh, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he refers to a letter that he wrote to them before, and then we're going to see some problems because they're writing to Paul now in the book of 1 Corinthians. He's responding uh, to a letter that was written to him uh, by a couple different people. First from uh, a group called Chloe's people who's reporting that there's disunity in the church. Um, and then also from the Corinthians. They have questions about uh, the Christian faith. So Paul answers their questions. Well, Paul then starts his third missionary journey. He's in Ephesus. He sends Timothy to go see how the church is doing. Timothy comes back and says, it's in turmoil. Uh, there's false teachers running amok. Um, I really want to point out the idea of false teaching because there's a lot of false teaching going on on the campus of OU and in this, <laughs> in this country. Um, so Paul decides he's going to make a visit to this church. 
he's rejected. He's run out of town. Um, he then writes what's called the painful letter. We know that from 2 Corinthians. Paul said, I decided not to make another painful visit, but to write a letter, and he sends it with Titus. Titus goes, he takes the letter, returns back with good news. The church has repented, and they have turned from the false teaching, at least the majority has, and now we are going to move towards reconciliation. Um, 2 Corinthians is one of my favorite books because it's Paul's most intimate. Um, he is going to be very, um, very, talk about some very touchy things, and especially himself. Paul doesn't like to boast about himself. Um, but the truth is, is that Paul is a true apostle. Uh, Part of the reason that he wrote this book was to show that he is a true apostle because these other people were saying, because he suffered so much, we should reject him. Because he should not suffer for what he has done. We are Christians and we preach the same truth that Paul preached despite the circumstances. Again, the church in Corinth was a melting pot. You understand this is a port city. There are all kinds of people there. Go to OU. Tell me it's not a melting pot of every culture. Um, tell me if it's not a mission field, if there ever was one. Okay, let's go ahead and start in the beginning there. It says, Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we not, do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's Word, but by the open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. One of the things that we do is we've renounced underhanded ways. We don't do things just to get numbers. We don't do things, we don't not preach things, we don't preach things that are not true just so that we can get more people to be a part of our group. Paul said this is wrong. This is underhanded and this is disgraceful. But what do we do? We have this ministry, why? Because of God's mercy. So because of God's mercy, we don't lose heart especially on a campus where it's hard to be a Christian. And we preach the truth. Like My first year in college, I may have told this story the last time I was here, because it's just such an incredible little story, illustration. We went to this event, and at this event, uh, they handed out little postcards at the beginning. And it said, you know, told what the event was about. I didn't read the back of it because I really didn't care. And so we get to the end of the event, and they're asking people, who wants to be saved tonight? Um, raise your hand. Say this prayer. Um, okay, that's wrong. This isn't the worst part. The worst part is on the back of the card, it said, were you saved tonight? Yes or no? And if you were, you can be entered to win an iPod or a bicycle. I thought, what is going on? If that's not tampering with God's Word, then I don't know what is. And we don't do things like that again. We don't preach and say things that aren't true just so that we can get people in the building. And that's exactly what was going on here in Corinth. That's what's going on here today. Uh, one of the other things that I think is really interesting is that um, what these apostles were doing that were ousting Paul, uh, it would be like me coming here and saying, okay, if you guys want to hear my lesson tonight, everybody throw a 10 down here. And then I'll just pick that up on the way out, if you want to hear the gospel. Uh, they were charging people to hear the gospel. 2 Corinthians 3 and 4, it says, And even if their gospel is veiled, 
It is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan has a foothold. Um, I think that it's interesting to non-Christians, once Satan's got you, what, is it, what else does he have to do, really? We kind of take, take it from there, do we not? Uh, but he's not speaking to unbelievers. He's writing to the church in Corinth, and he's saying, these people, the gospel's veiled them because they're perishing. Why are they perishing? Because they're listening to false teaching. They're continuing, continuing to live in their sin because they're being taught that it's okay. It's okay for you to continue to live in the sin that is disconnecting you from God. And yet people, for some reason, um, they want to hear that. You know the scripture that says that people will hear what they want to hear, what their itching ears want to hear. Um, yeah, once Satan is taken home, in most cases he doesn't have to do anything. We take it from there. But within the church, he really works hard on people within the church. Um, in different ways. Um, not necessarily in ways that we can even think of, um, but by causing disunity, by the simplest false teaching um, that we would think, oh, that's not a big deal. Um, but what are the implications that if we change one thing, then we can change anything that we want? Um, that's the implication of changing the gospel. And they're blinded. Uh, what are they blinded by? Again, they're blinded by their sin. The super apostles, the people that are uh, preaching something false, they're blinded by their sin, by their want to be, for the, to be about them. It's not about them. It's not about Paul, and he's about to bring this up here. Okay, well, Isaiah 5.20. I do want to make a point about this. It says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Peter later on says, these people that live in drunkenness and orgies and all this stuff, they'll, be, they'll look at you like you're crazy when you don't go out and follow along with them. When you don't go out and do the same things that they do. I've heard it said on this campus, you don't drink? What's wrong with you? That's why you're here. I heard somebody say, that's why you're here. You're here to drink. <laughs> oh, you don't smoke? That's okay, you're not at home, your parents aren't here. Oh, you're saving yourself for marriage, that's, real. that's a good one. I mean, people joking, and what are they doing? They're calling good evil and evil good. And it says, woe to those people that do that. Verse 5 and 6. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord, with ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake, for God, who said, let light Shine out of the darkness is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We don't proclaim ourselves. Um, I don't do anything uh, that is for me. At least I try not to. Uh, I try not to be prideful. I try not to uh, do those things. I try to be uh, the best example, best example that I can. Um, and light. He says, light your light shine out of the darkness, and what a more, uh, what could we be more appropriate? Um, that's what we try to do, is be the light on that campus. Uh, it's like Matthew chapter 5 says, you are the light of the world. You are to be a beacon for Christianity. People should look at you and say, something is peculiar about these people. What is it? And what can I do to be a part of that? 
in, chapter, in verse, verse 7, it says, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Has anybody ever dropped a plate on the floor and it just stayed intact? <laughs> a jar of clay is so fragile. Um, I think it's interesting that God chose to use the human body. Because we are just always on the brink of extinction. Um, any day could be our last. We, we don't know what's going to happen, what the day, next day holds for us. Uh, my wife recently started working at the hospital, and I just now have an understanding of all the horrible things that can happen to the human body. Um, it's weak and fragile. Why did God choose us? Um, I want to read from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 26. It says, For consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring the things that are. So that no, and this is the verse, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. God chose to use us. You know, we think we're strong, we think we're, but we're not. We're really weak, um, especially when you understand um, what sin does to a person and disconnecting them from God. But God chose the human body um, so that we can't take any of the credit. And when we do, we're not giving glory to God. Okay, verse 8 through 12, we're afflicted in every way. This is where Paul's going to get into this. And a few more times in the book of Corinthians, he's going to give a list of the things that he's been through. The same things that the people are saying, I've been through, the, they're saying that because he's been through these things, he's not an apostle. But he says, As I, we're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. We're afflicted so that others can know Christ. That's what he's... I went through all the stuff that I went through so that others can know Jesus Christ. Do you think Paul would have been afflicted and perplexed, persecuted, struck down? How did he get through those things? Remember the first verse, by the mercy of God, because God gave him the strength to get through. God gave him the strength, even though he was afflicted, he wasn't crushed. Even though he was persecuted, he wasn't forsaken, and so forth. So even though we're ridiculed, persecuted, reviled, made fun of, thought is crazy, getting sleepless nights, thinking about brothers and sisters and the lost, being outnumbered, why do we do what we do? We keep doing it so that others can know Jesus Christ, so that others can know Jesus. 1 Peter 2.21 says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His footsteps. And then to take it a step further, he says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. I think this word is very important. Provided that we suffer with Him, in order that we also may be glorified with Him. Christ gave us an example of suffering. Um, 
I will expound on that just here in a moment. 13 through 15. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke, we also believe, and so we also speak. Knowing that He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us with Jesus and bring us with you into His presence. For it is all for your sake so that the grace extends to more and more people and may increase in thanksgiving to the glory of God. We believe and so we speak. I believe in this message and so I preach it. So I speak it. Um, so that grace can extend to more people. Um, I like what uh, Paul says in the, book, in the first chapter. He says, Blessed be the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions. He goes on to say, He comforts us so that when you're afflicted, we can comfort you. And so God can comfort you. And so on, and so on, and so on, and so on. We do all of this stuff so that grace can extend to more and more and more people. Why do we preach the gospel to the students there? Because they're the future of the church. They're us sitting here many years later, for some of you and some of you a few years later. Um, but we do it so that people can hear the gospel. Uh, Paul very willing to give his life so that people can hear the gospel, so that people can receive the same grace that he did. So this is why we do what we do. We do what we do so that other people can hear the gospel. And it's all worth it. You know, you can go through this time that's so tough, so hard, and then one person gets baptized, and it's all worth it. One person comes back, one person changes their life, allows God to transform them, and it's all worth it. You know, it makes all the sleepless nights, the reviling, all that stuff, you forget it. You forget about it. And then finally... He again says, so we don't lose heart. Again, like I said, on a campus where it is easy to lose heart, where there is almost a militant atheism. You believe in God, you're a fool. Heard that. I've had students come in that were there only for the purpose to uh, bash Christianity. Um, and so I can't even imagine the stuff that I've seen and heard um, how much further it goes, how disconnected people truly are. Um, I think one of the things that we really don't understand uh, is how much our sin disconnects us from God. And we think even the little things aren't that bad, but they are. Um, so we need to really watch ourselves in terms of our teaching, um, what type of example we're being, um, and look at, ask yourself, why am I doing what I, I'm doing? You know? Why, why am I a Christian? Why am I here tonight? We don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, <laughs> I love that Paul uses that word, for this light momentary affliction. Would you call what Paul went through light? On his first missionary journey, they stone him to death, well at least they think they did, and take him out and just lay him outside the city. What's Paul do? He jumps up and goes on to the next city. You think he was able to do that of his own accord? Absolutely not. He said because our outer self is wasting away, our inner self, the true self, is being renewed day by day. And it says this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. 
Two things. I'm going to say this again. Number one, two things we don't understand completely is our sin and what it does in our connection with God. Really, our disconnection with God. Number two, how truly holy and righteous our God is. Um, he says we go through these afflictions, these sufferings, to prepare us for glory that's so heavy that if you don't go through this stuff, you're not going to be prepared for it. I think it's interesting, at the, end of this, at the end of this book in chapter 12, Paul makes a statement that I was taken up into the third heaven, heard things that I can't even utter amongst men. Uh, I, I don't know why, but this is what I think of. My wife has probably heard me say this 20,000 times. Has anybody ever seen the movie Mars Attacks? Is there anybody in here? We got one, two, three. Okay, basically Mars attacks the Earth, okay? <laughs> and at the end of the movie, they figure out how to get them to play this song and, and their heads explode. And I always imagined, well, I guess I can't imagine, but what Paul heard in heaven that he can't utter amongst us, that's so holy, so righteous, it would make our heads spin and explode. You know? And that's what I always think of, that there are things about God that we just can't understand. But the point is, is that we are put through what we're put through as Christians. Um, to prepare us for God's glory. You know? Be resurrected with Him. Okay. And then finally, um, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen, they're transient. They fade away, as we all know. But the things that are unseen are eternal. In chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, it says, Working together with Him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. What does he mean by that? He's telling this church... Don't receive the grace of God. You received the message from us, the true message, and now you are turning from it. You are turning from it to go back to your sin, to follow this other person. I pray that we don't receive God's grace in vain, but we continue to look at the Scriptures. We continue to follow what we first heard, the Gospel that we heard preached to us. He says in verse 2, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Um, first of all, I want to thank you all for letting me be here and to speak about the campus ministry. Uh, I want to thank you for your support financially. Uh, I know that there are a lot of prayers coming out of this church for the campus ministry. I know that there has been a lot of people that have sacrificed in the past and also now uh, for this ministry, so we, we do say thank you. Um, and it means a lot because we do believe in this ministry. But today is the favorable time for us. Tonight here is the favorable time. So if you've fallen away, if you want to come to Christ, we are here for you. Um, I'm sure they can, if somebody wants to get baptized into Christ tonight, I'm sure they can do that. Um, if you've fallen away, please come back. Uh, today is a day of salvation. Would you please come while we stand and sing? All things are ready. Come to the faith. Come for the day.